evening to the gospel according to John, the 12th chapter, the 42nd and 43rd verses. And I'm going to uh, read to you these verses of scripture um, in your hearing and, and, and just try to bring to you a, a truth from the word of God that I think will be a blessing to us and a help to us in our devotion to him. John chapter 12, verses 42 and 43. The word of the Lord says this, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. And I want to speak to you today on the subject, the praise of God versus the praise of men. The praise of God versus the praise of men. Um, This captures such a very important uh, understanding about human nature. And we all understand that as soon as we read this verse of Scripture, it immediately uh, becomes alive to us because we know that pressure of wanting the praise of men. There is something validating about receiving praise from other people. When people come to you, and begin to share with you positive thoughts, positive words, who would turn that down? There is just something special about about when someone begins to give you praise. And it fills a void in all of us, and we were made in the image of God. We have... If within us this desire to be appreciated, to be valued, to be loved, to be noticed, to be recognized, to be affirmed. These are all normal human emotions and needs and wants. And in fact, so, so prevalent is this need in a human being that a good leader, a good coach, a good teacher, a good parent... Uh, anyone who has some sort of oversight in a person's life and is, is in a position of directing them in a positive direction, they understand the power that they can wield through praise. And they know that they're going to get a lot of, of good accomplished within a person if they will apply a little praise. You, you see it in the behavior of not only human beings, you even see it in the behavior of your pets when you say, good job. And they find out they get a treat and they get some affirmation. They get a little, a little petting behind the ears if they do this or that. And guess what? They start doing this or that. We're all that way. My goodness, if you start praising me or you or anybody else for a particular behavior, then we just naturally begin to lean into that behavior if for no other reason than to receive that praise, than to receive that affirmation. And, and praise is a, a good thing. The Bible says praise 
<laughs> is comely for the upright. But the Bible gives us specific understanding about praise. And it, it, it tells us this. It says, praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Amen. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. You know, uh, just a quick little side note here. Uh, there, there are five love languages, according to Dr. Gary Chapman, that he has, I think, rightly observed. And in those five love languages, he sees uh, quality time, uh, acts of service, physical touch, uh, uh, words of affirmation. And there's, a, there's always a fifth one that I can never remember in there. Gift giving, gift giving. And uh, I can name four. And, and the fifth one, I, I never, it can be any one of them, but I'm going to miss the fifth one. But those love languages, he has, uh, I think, rightly surmised that these are the five love languages of human beings. And I believe that the reason these are the five love languages of human beings is because these are the love languages of God and human beings are made in the image of God. And when God expresses his love, he does so through the giving of gifts, through the acts of service, through physical touch, through quality time, and through the uh, matter of words of affirmation. And this is why praise is so, so, so good. And he inhabits the praise of Israel because when praise goes forth unto God, it is to him, the Bible says, as a sweet smelling savor. So it's, it's, it's as if there is an aroma that is drawing him. It's, it's as if there is a fragrance that is drawing him, just as an aroma or a fragrance that is very pleasant would draw you to the kitchen or draw you to the, the cologne and perfume counter. It, it's, there's something special about praise. God enjoys it, and guess what? So do we. And we have to be careful with that because guess who knows we enjoy it? The devil knows we enjoy that praise. And he knows that sometimes all he's got to do is send a little praise our way. And it can distract us off our path. It can move us off the singularity of our focus. And many times praise will come from men. And men have agendas and men have worldly desires and mankind is filled with all sorts of ungodly pursuit. And so we have to be very careful when men begin to praise us. And when we begin to do things that are for the express and sole purpose of receiving praise from mankind. If you think the praise of man is so enriching, so satisfying, so fulfilling... Just wait till you experience the praise of God. Now, I just talked about praising the Lord in his, the firmament of his power and in his sanctuary. The book of Psalms gives us a variety of ways that we can praise God. Now, God wants us to praise him. And yes, God is drawn to our praise. But God is not just desirous of our praise because he likes it so much. But he's desirous of our praise because he knows what praise will do for us. There is a lifting that happens when we praise God. 
Hallelujah. When we open up our mouth and begin to say, Lord, you're worthy. Lord, you're wonderful. Lord, you're great and greatly to be praised. Lord, there's nobody like you. You are high and lifted up. I praise you with all of my heart. It will immediately begin to lift you up and out of wherever you are. If you're in the molly grubs, if you're in a place of being downcast or downtrodden, praise has a way of lifting you and God knows that. And so God encourages us and <laughs> commands us to praise him. And so praise is so good for us to give to God. But the Bible here is speaking of praise in a one directional context. And the praise that it's speaking of is when praise comes to us, whether from man or from God. And Jesus, or, or John, the writer, describes a, a reality in the life and ministry of Jesus that there were many of the chief rulers, many that believed on Jesus. Now, when we talk about the chief rulers of the synagogue in the days of Jesus Christ, we don't really think of them as believing on Jesus. We think of them as betraying Jesus. We think of them as turning on Jesus, as crucifying Jesus, as calling for his crucifixion. We think of them as being the most depraved of human beings. And yet the Bible says that they, many of them, believed on him. And yet they did not confess him. My Lord have mercy. Oh, the conflict of the human soul. When you believe something, you will not confess. And the Bible explains why they would not confess it. The Bible says that they confess not because of the Pharisees. And they were afraid lest they should be put out of the synagogue. And if they're put out of the synagogue, then that lowers their status among men. And men would no longer be praising them. Men would no longer be patting them on the back. Men would no longer be approving of what they said and how they lived and what they did and what they believed. Men would no longer come up beside them and say, I'm all in favor of you and I approve of you. And and this was unthinkable because little did they know until push came to shove. Until the moment of truth arrived. <laughs> and they had to make up in their mind how they were going to confess. And when it came time to confess, because of their fear of the Pharisees, because they knew they would be put out of the synagogue and that that meant... That men would no longer praise him. Notice how the word of God just gets to the root of the matter. They were afraid of the Pharisees. But why were they afraid of the Pharisees? Thank you, my brother. Thank you. Why were they afraid of the Pharisees? Well, they were afraid of the Pharisees because they were afraid of being put out of the synagogue. Why were they afraid of being put out of the synagogue? The root of the matter is they wanted that praise of men. 
And we can point fingers at them and say how, how just how terrible that is and how awful that is. But I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if the Lord were to search our hearts, how many things we don't confess because we're afraid of losing the praise of men. I wonder how many things we don't take a step of faith on because we're afraid of losing the praise of men. What, what if this wasn't the amen corner that it is? What if this same group of people had gathered in this place, but you and maybe two or three others were the only ones who believed that Jesus is the Christ? And that it was looked upon by everybody else in the room as being an abominable heresy. That you were considered an heretic. You were considered unfaithful to God. What if they carried the semblance of a religious superiority over you? Hey, we're blessed, ladies and gentlemen, to be able to walk into a house and every time we do, there might be some unbelievers in the room, but they are vastly outnumbered. Vastly outnumbered by people who will stand to their feet and shout to the highest heavens, He is Lord! He is Lord! He is Lord! These, these who turned the world upside down, these who started it all off, these who who were that first group of people, that, that general assembly of the firstborn, those who knew him and were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Hallelujah. They had no such luxury of being able to rub shoulders with so many hundreds, yea, thousands of people. No, whenever they, whenever, and I do mean whenever they preached the gospel, they did not have amen corners. They had people staring at them with disbelief. They had people staring at them many times with murder in their eyes. They had people looking upon them with, with absolute angst. And, and whole, whole chambers of commerce would turn on them and deliver them up into prisons. We're blessed to be this far down the road, but we must not misunderstand. We have a responsibility to go into the highways and the byways whether people say amen or not. I wonder why we don't just confess him in public. I wonder why sometimes apostolic Pentecostal people will will try to blend in with the world around them. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, take the bushel off of you and let your light so shine. Hallelujah. He didn't just say, let your light shine. He said, let it so shine that they behold your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. You say, well, how, how much should I let my light shine? The Bible tells you how much you should let your light shine. So much that they behold your good works 
and your good works inspire them to glorify your Father which is in heaven. Am I letting my light shine enough? I don't know. Are they glorifying your Father which is in heaven? You tell me. Are we, are we, are we as, are we as uh, illuminating and are we as effervescent as we should be? Well, that depends because he gave us the standard by which to determine that. And the way we gauge it is they behold our good works. And they glorify our Father which is in heaven. Anything short of that, we got to turn the light up, turn the light up, turn the light up, turn the light up, turn the light up. Turn the light up. Keep turning it up. Get it brighter, brighter. Put more watts. We need more wattage in these bulbs. We need bigger watts, more watts, wattage. Put in more fixtures. Put in more fixtures. Get some big, get some of those big football lights and shine it down into wherever you are. You need to let your light so shine. That when they behold our good works, my goodness, sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, can I, just, can I just go stomp on all of our toes? Sometimes they don't have any good works to behold. Sometimes we can get so caught up in this idea that, oh, we're not saved by works. That we just forget good works at all. Let me tell you something. When we say we're not saved by works, we're not saved by works of man. But we are absolutely saved by the works of Christ. And the works of Christ create us unto good works. Ordain us unto good works. We are ordained of God to do good works. And those good works are too absolutely arrest the attention of people around us and they are not to glorify us they are to glorify our father sometimes they glorify us and we think oh it worked no 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 get the no you need more light the gauge is if they're glorifying our father praise god praise god praise god and so, so this is how we, we, we understand how we are to live our lives. And, and so the Bible says that they confess not even though they believed. And they confess not because of the Pharisees. They knew that the Pharisees would put them out of the synagogue. There are many people who believe on Jesus Christ as the mighty God incarnate. And will not confess it. Because they know they'll be put out of the religious mainstream. There are many people who baptize people in Jesus' name, even secretly. But are not public about it because they know they'll be put out of the religious mainstream. There are many people who speak in tongues and don't want anybody to know about it. Because they know they'll be put out of the religious mainstream. And so there is, a, there is a spirit of fear. And by that, I don't mean the fear of God. The spirit of fear is a spirit of timidity. And it's a, a shutting down of a person. And that's what this Pharisaism will do. It will shut people down because it has control. And, and, the, and the leverage that is used is that addiction to the praise of men. As long as you have a dependency on the praise of men, 
this spirit of fear has control over you. You can act tough. You can talk tough. You can act big. You can act bad. But as soon as that threat comes, I will take the praise of men away from you. You will get right in line and do as you're told because you have equated the praise of men with success. You have equated the praise of men as validation. You have equated the praise of men as something that you can't live without. It's become more necessary than food. It's become uh, more necessary than air. You've you got to be praised. Men have to think well of you. Men have to, have to think highly of you. And, and, and we've all got it. We've all got this that our flesh struggles with wanting men to praise us. And, and even those who say, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. Oh, yeah, you do. That's what you want them to think about you. You're so big, so bad, you don't care about what anybody thinks. And the moment that they stop praising you in that perverse way, that distorted, oddly shaped desire for the praise of men. Oh, he's so big and he's so bad, he doesn't care what anybody thinks. As soon as they deprive you of that accolade, You'll find another way to get the praise you desire. But what God wants to do is he wants to separate us from the need for the praise of men and only for the praise of God. Hallelujah. And, and if, you can, if you can devote yourself, hallelujah, to the praise of God. Huh. It's a two-way street. You praise him, and guess what? It'll shock you when he starts praising you. And I'm going to tell you something. The praise of God is so much more fulfilling than the praise of man could ever be. And I'll tell you why. Because the praise of man comes with this caveat and this reminder you know this down deep the praise of man comes with this understanding deep within you that man doesn't really know you so when man says you're great you know but I can trick man when man says you're really something you know in your deepest heart of hearts that that man doesn't really know you this is why flattery should have no hold on us. Because regardless of how much a person can flatter you, they don't know you. And they could be wrong. And this is also why criticism should not have such control over us. Because regardless of how negative the critique can be, this person doesn't really know you. And you know that well you understand that so you've got to be able to realize that when criticism comes well, that's I, I, I hear what they're saying but I, I have to take it with a grain of salt because they don't know me and when flattery comes I have to take that with a, a grain of salt that's got a lot of salt on it in fact it's got some sugar on it so you might want to you might want to put a little habanero something or other on that one because that one's pretty easy to enjoy but when man begins to flatter you, you got to remember they don't know me. But when God speaks to you, when God, be listen, when God begins to critique you, you better know he's not speaking opinion. He is speaking absolute truth. 
You, you, when, when, and when God praises you, there is no greater, there is no greater fulfillment than when God praises you. None. Because he knows everything about you. So imagine, I, I want you to understand, the fulfillment that comes when God says to you and I, you and I, you know, you and I, who are completely unworthy. And he says to us, well done. He's saying that knowing all of my past. He's saying that knowing all of my thoughts. He's saying that knowing all of my intentions. He's saying that knowing everything there is to know about me. He's saying, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Who's he talking about? I want him to be able to say that about me. And I'm going to tell you something. He's not... You don't want him to say medium rare. You want him to say, well done. I don't know how you like your steak, but I know how God likes his servants. He doesn't want a medium rare. He wants them well done. And let me tell you how well done happens. Well done happens in an accumulation of well doing. Well doing, well doing, well do Be not weary in well doing. Well doing, well doing, well doing, well doing will soon become well done. <laughs> Hallelujah. Be not weary in well doing for in due season you shall reap if you feign not. Praise God. If you sow to the flesh, you shall reap of the flesh corruption. If you sow to the spirit, you shall reap of the spirit life everlasting. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's, let's, let's look to the word of the Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 4. I want to look here at, at, at just a few verses of scripture to help us understand that there is this battle that goes on in the mind of man in the effort to please God and to love God and to be, to be uh, pleasing to the Lord. 2 Timothy 3 verse uh, 4, it, we're going to just read one verse, but it's the series of verses where Paul is telling Timothy that perilous times are coming and he begins to describe the state of humanity. And in verse 4 he says they're going to be traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. This is the same spiritual condition that causes a person to love the praise of men more than the praise of God. They love pleasure more than they love God. But look with me to Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to read beginning at verse 23 about the great man Moses. By faith Moses when he was born was hid three months of his parents. Because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, listen, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughters, daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He esteemed the reproaches of Christ, the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. He said, folks, the treasures in Egypt 
were magnificent. The treasures in Egypt were beyond what you and I could ever understand. And he esteemed the reproach of Christ. Not, not, even, the, not even the riches of Christ. The reproach of Christ. He esteemed the reproach of Christ. Greater riches than King Tut's tomb. Than the treasures in Egypt. Because he caught a glimpse of the praise of God. He caught a glimpse of what it means for the Lord, hallelujah, to be exalted. And he said, there's nothing better in all the world. There's not enough money out there. There's not enough fame out there. There's not enough of affirmation from mankind. I don't care if they praise me. I don't care if they exalt me. I want the reproach of Christ as greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Luke chapter 6 and verse 26. Notice what Jesus said. In Luke chapter 6, verse uh, number 26, concerning the praise of men. Woe unto you. I, I don't know if I could rightly express how emphatic a denunciation that is. We don't need to just skip over that and act like it's just word filler. No. Woe unto you. That means, that means damnation. That means that means you're in the wrong. Stop. Woe unto you. Verse 26 of Luke 6. When all men shall speak well of you. Isn't that what we want? Don't we want everybody just to be nice? Don't we just want everybody to like us? And say nice things about us? That's all I want. For everybody to like me and be nice to me. And Jesus said, stop it. Don't even think that way. Woe unto you. Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you. And listen to why. He said, for so did they to the, so did their fathers to the false prophets. Now, I want you to compare that. Remember that their fathers spoke well of the false prophets. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 11. And I want you to remember that. Matthew 5 and verse 11. Blessed are you. Blessed are you. Are you ready for your great blessing? Everybody ready for How many need a blessing? Glory. Let's get this blessing we got coming. Woo, I need something. My Lord have mercy. Blessed are you when men shall revile you. My goodness, that word just sent shivers up and down my spine. Revile. You can hear it kind of curl at the end. Revile. I can do that when my throat's messed up. Revile. When men shall revile you. Man, that sounds like a terrible thing for men to do. Revile me, my goodness. When men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say, all manner, all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Now he's going to tell you what you do about this blessing of men reviling you, persecuting you, saying all manner of evil against you falsely for his name's sake. What a blessing that is. Amen. I am blessed. 
I am blessed. And he said, it really is a blessing. You, he said, you okay, notice you're about to find out why it's a blessing. He said, rejoice and be exceeding glad. And here's why for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So the false prophets got all sorts of wonderful things said about them. But the real prophets were reviled and persecuted and had all manner of evil spoken against them falsely. And, 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 and this is the dichotomy, the praise of men versus the praise of God. But the praise of God carries with it the greatness of a reward in heaven. I can hear the apostle Paul saying, I reckon, hallelujah, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed afterwards. Hallelujah. You got to live for the afterword. You got to live for the afterword. Hallelujah, brother. Brian Duvall, I've heard you say it many times. This life is for him, but the next life, hallelujah, is for us. Hallelujah. We live for the afterword. Glory to God. Glory to God. Consider that the depth of your trial is going to give way to the glory of his reward. My Lord, have mercy. If you feel persecuted for his name's sake, rejoice, 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 rejoice. If you feel like people are saying all manner of evil against you falsely for the name of Jesus' sake, rejoice and be exceeding glad. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, I give you praise. I give you praise. Don't get mad. Don't get bitter. Don't lash out. Don't, don't slap back. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. In other words, when men don't praise you, don't worry about it. God will. God will. And when God praises you, it does something that nothing else in this world can do. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm going to tell you, the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Proverbs 11 and verse 20. They that are of a froward heart are abomination to the Lord. Now I know, listen, God loves everybody. He does. He loves people. He, lo he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loves people. But even though he loves people, those same people that he loves, if they have a froward heart, which means crooked and perverse, if they have a froward heart, they are an abomination to the Lord. And people who have a froward heart and are an abomination to the Lord will do anything for the praise of man. They will, they will do anything for the praise of man. But such as are upright in their way are his delight. 
Now, do you know what that word up right there means? It means entire. It means whole. It means complete. In other words, it means none of us without Jesus. Do you know what this scripture is saying? This scripture is saying that all humanity is an abomination to the Lord. And, and when it talks about the upright, it's not talking about human beings without Jesus. It's talking about Jesus. He is the only one who is upright. He is the only one who is pure in heart. He is the only one who is perfect and entire. And it is the upright in whose way the Lord delights. So when we receive the praise of God, we, we don't receive the praise of God because of how good we are. We receive the praise of God when we are in Christ. Hallelujah. This is why when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, the Bible says that the Lord spoke and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This is why when on the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus stood between Moses and Elijah, and again the Lord said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Because God had become a man in order to be the son of God, we were always supposed to be. We had given our sonship away. We gave it, we gave it away. And we, we came up under the influence of a different father. And that different father was the father of all liars. We came up under the influence of a different overseer. And we were subject now to his law of sin and death. And this was the great heartbreak of God. That he would come down to his own creation. And they had given themselves over to a false God. And so they can't get out unless they themselves make a way out. By man came sin into the world and death with it. And by man will come righteousness and life with it. And there is no man who is upright. There is no man who can be holy. There is no man who can be pure or perfect or goodly or godly. And so God became a man. And did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And God became the son of God that we were always supposed to be. And he showed us what that life looks like. He showed us how a son of God lives, how a son of God treats his neighbor, how a son of God prays, how a son of God treats the stranger, how the son of God operates in his living. He explained it to us on that Sermon on the Mount, how that we are to be merciful and meek and pure in heart and poor in spirit, the salt of the earth, the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hid, turning the other cheek, giving our cloak, our cloak and our coat also, going the extra mile, not just one. And he explained to us, this is who, this is who sons of God are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when we are in him and he is in us. When we're praising him and he's praising us, that's who we become. And that's the upright in whom he delights. Praise God. Why do we preach Acts 2.38 so much? Well, number one, it's the plan of salvation. Secondly, because this is the way that we are in him. 
repentance and baptism in Jesus' name. And it's how he is in us, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Praise God. I want to please the Lord. 2 Samuel chapter 11 and verse 27. This is the culmination of the great transgression of David, the man after God's own heart. And when David committed the horrible atrocity, putting Uriah, the husband of Bathsheba, up at the head of the battle for the express purpose of having him killed so that he could have Bathsheba to wife. 2 Samuel 11, verse 27, when the morning for Uriah was passed, David sent and fetched Bathsheba to his house. She became his wife and bare him a son. And he thought that all was done. He'd gotten away with such a terrible sin. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. I'm going to tell you, if all men praise you and you don't have the praise of God, you have nothing. At the end of the day, the only thing that matters is, is he pleased? Is he pleased? Is he pleased? The only thing that matters is, am I right with God? Am I right with God? Am I right with God? Hallelujah. You and I can't do it on our own. That's why we must be in Jesus Christ. No man can see God at any time and live. And no man can ascend into the hill of the Lord except he that hath clean hands and a pure heart. And that doesn't describe any of us. It only describes Jesus. Praise God. If you want the praise of God, you've got to be in Christ. Hallelujah. And if you want the praise of God, you've got to let Christ be in you. Hallelujah. And if you want the praise of God, you've got to let, you've got to let that light begin to shine because in him was life and the life was the light of men. Lord, what do you require of, of the son of man? Oh, son of man, this is what the Lord doth require of you to love mercy, to do justly and to walk humbly before thy God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Love mercy. Not so men will praise you, but that God will praise you. Peter, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know I love you. Do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Do you love me? You know I love you. He said, this is how I'll know you love me, when you feed my sheep. Praise God. Feed my sheep. Praise God. How can we bless God and then curse man? How can we bless God whom we have not seen and then curse man who is made in the image of God? He said it's impossible. Bitter water and, and, and pure water cannot both come out of the same fountain. You're going to have to choose. Do you want the praise of men or do you want the praise of God? Hallelujah. Oh, God. Oh, God. You know how it starts? Let me tell you how it starts. Look at Psalm 69 and verse 30. Let me tell you how it starts, this praise that, that, that God has for you. Proverbs chapter, or Proverbs, or, pardon me, Psalms 69 and verse number 30. This is, how, this is how it starts. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bullock that hath horns and hoofs. 
Hallelujah. Just start with a praise. Start with a praise. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Start with a praise. I, wonder, I want you to think of your most, your most cherished attribute of God. And, and I want you to think of what that is, okay? Think about it. What is your most cherished attribute of God? What is the thing you most appreciate in this moment? Maybe you're like, oh, that's hard because there's a thousand. I get it. Ten thousand tongues cannot tell. But what is the most cherished attribute you have in your heart right now about God? And I want you to praise him for it. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you are the lifter of my head. You are the lifter of my head and I praise you. Lord, you have uphold, helped me with your right hand and I praise you. Lord, you have upheld me with your right hand, and I praise you. Come on, that's it. Enter into that praise. Enter into that praise. He inhabits that praise. And when you enter into that praise, hallelujah, hallelujah, you're going to start feeling not just, not just you praising him, but you're going to get praise back. Hallelujah. You're going to hear I am well pleased. You're going to hear, hallelujah, well done. You're going to hear, oh, good and faithful servant. You're going to hear the praise of God. You're going to hear affirmation. And you won't need the affirmation of this culture. And you won't need the affirmation of this world. And you won't need the affirmation of popular culture and religious culture. Hallelujah. And you won't need the affirmation of the accuser who has told you what you are and what you are not. Because the Lord, your God, who formed you and fashioned you, hallelujah, and created you for his glory. You will feel his praise, and it will, it will take away from you forever the need for the praise of men. Oh, come on, do it right now. Lift up a praise unto him. Praise God. Come on, somebody, confess with your mouth whether they put you out of the synagogue or not. Confess Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Whether they turn on you or not, Jesus Christ is everything to me. Whether they call you a fanatic or not, Jesus Christ is my all in all. Jesus Christ is my all in all. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on, something happens when we praise him. Something happens when we praise him. Come on, that's it. Step away from the need for man's approval. Step away from the need of man's validation. Hallelujah. Let God validate you. Let God lead you and guide you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Come on, that's it. Let God lead you and guide you. Praise God. Our musicians can come. Hallelujah. Come on, there's a high praise. There's a high praise. There's a high praise. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. And then something miraculous happens. Something miraculous happens. I'm going to tell you something miraculous happens. Even the men who, whose praise God delivered you from. 
Hallelujah. When you begin to be praised of God, they will begin to praise you now. Not for your glory, but for the glory of the Lord. It'll happen. It'll happen. They will come and apologize to you. And you be quick to forgive. In fact, forgive them before they do. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, the Lord maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. There will come a day. There will come a day when even your enemies will speak well of you. But it won't be because they're flattering you to have advantage. It will be because they have seen a genuine, sincere walk with God. Because you divorced yourself from praise that they could give you. And said, whether you praise me or not is of no consequence. All I want is him. I want him. I want more of him. I want more of him. I want more of him. Even your enemies will be at peace with you. Oh, somebody better grab that right now because it's a word from God. the Holy Ghost right now and I want to just declare God's going to give you peace in the workplace God is going to give you peace in the workplace because your ways are going to please the Lord and you won't need the praise of men you're going to be content with the praise of God and God is going to put you at peace with your enemies hallelujah you know who said that when a man's ways please the Lord he will cause even his enemies to be at peace with him you know who said that Solomon. And you know what the Bible says about Solomon's reign? The Bible says the Lord gave him peace round about. Everywhere he looked, round about peace. Peace was everywhere. Peace was everywhere. Hallelujah. You know why? You know why? Because Solomon prayed a prayer that said, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm the son of David for crying out loud. How in the world do you fill those shoes? I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't know how to go out and how to come in. And he didn't ask to be able to please men. He said, Lord, just give me an understanding heart. Fill me with your wisdom. I just, I just want you to be pleased. And the Lord said, oh, man, you better be careful praying prayers like that. Because I'll give you the stuff you didn't ask for. I'll give you the riches you didn't ask for. Hallelujah. I'll give, you, I'll give you stuff you didn't ask for. My God, have mercy. I feel, I feel the blessing of the Lord in this house right now. I believe that there have been right, righteous prayers prayed. And God is going to respond to those righteous prayers with stuff you did not ask for. And there will be blessings you didn't even ask to receive and they're about to land in your lap somebody open up your mouth and begin to pray righteous prayers right now God Lord let my ways please you somebody pray that prayer let my ways please you pray that prayer Lord let my ways please you Lord separate from me separate me from anything that is not like you that does not please you 
Come on, pray righteous prayers right now. Oh, God is doing something in this house. God is doing something in this house. I'm making these altars open for somebody to come right now and pray some righteous prayers right now. Come on, I want somebody that's going through something. And you need God to move in your life. And you've been praying for a solution and resolution. And I want you not to worry about solution and resolution. I want you just to come and say, Lord, I want to be pleasing in your sight. Lord, make me pleasing in your sight. Let my ways please you. Let my life please you. Let my heart please you. Oh, we're going to pray some righteous prayers tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's going to give us peace even with our enemies. God's going to give us peace. God's going to give us blessings we didn't even ask for. Hallelujah. Come on, that's it all across this house. (laughs) Oh, God's going to deliver you from worrying about what people think of you. God's going to deliver you from worrying about what people are saying about you. Oh, yes, he is. Oh, it's going to be a sweet release It's going to be a sweet release of liberty. And you know what? You're going to be able to love them better because because you're not going to need their praise. You're not going to need their praise. You're just going to love them with or without their praise, with or without their validation. You're just going to love them. Hallelujah. God's doing a work right now. God's doing a work right now. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. The Lord's going to lift it off of your shoulders. The Lord's going to lift it off of your shoulders right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Side 
Yeah, but- 